This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Hey, Liz, it's good to talk with you. And, uh, you know, I'm actually very excited. They mentioned the World Series happening tonight. And as an Atlanta fan, you know, I'm always waiting for something bad to happen. And I did the entire Dodgers series, and I was... Uh, happily disappointed that nothing bad happened. You know, uh, we we've certainly been trained as Atlanta fans that what can go wrong will go wrong. But it's great to be here today, and um, we are uh, fortunate to have Attorney Francis Springer with us. Uh, he's a regular guest. We really appreciate the time that he spends with us. He has lots of different uh, practice areas, but one of his practice areas is, is criminal defense. And so, Francis, uh, you've been a police officer, you've been with law enforcement, and you're now doing criminal defense. How, does the, how do those experiences relate together? Uh, well, first, I'd like to say good morning, and, and thanks for inviting me again. I enjoy being here. It's a great show. Um, to answer your question, I guess coming from a law enforcement background and dealing with uh, criminal matters, it I kind of have a, a feel, I guess, of the state has uh, from the police officers, prosecutors. I kind of know what they're going after in many cases. Sometimes that's beneficial. Sometimes it's not. But uh, there are different areas uh, that I've been trained in, accident reconstruction, things like that when I was with law enforcement. So I have a little greater knowledge of those areas. And now uh, it does come in handy from time to time. Let's talk about it. your experience, and, and again, yes, good morning, and thank you again for being here. You have been so generous with your time on this show. My pleasure. We always appreciate having you. Uh, but, um, you know, what about an internet? When people have initial interactions with law enforcement, uh, a lot of times people are not uh, used to those interactions. What should a person do when they're stopped by a police officer, both from a lawyer's point of view and, and a law enforcement point of view? That's a good question because it does happen to to all of us from time to time, whether it's a traffic violation or maybe uh, an officer answering a call somewhere looking for somewhere to uh, find somebody. The main thing we need to know is we do have rights. So we need to be aware of those rights. At the same time, though, we need to be aware that that officer is in a position where he or she doesn't necessarily know what's going to come from their confrontation. so we need to kind of have a little empathy for them, follow their directions as best you can. Uh, but still, at the same time, you've got rights. You don't have to make any statement. You don't necessarily have to uh, identify yourself or anything unless they have reasonable suspicion or probable cause to ask you for that. So it's a fine line because the street is not the best place to argue constitutional issues. Uh, but at the same time, we do have rights, and we, we need to value those rights. This morning, we are talking about your Miranda rights. You know, maybe everybody has heard the Miranda rights on TV. What does that mean? What rights do you have if you're stopped, if you're arrested? You can always send us your emails, questions to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. 
Thank you, Liz, for reminding me of that. It is important uh, to give out the number, otherwise people don't know where to call. But, um, you know, Francis, we talk about your rights uh, when you're under arrest. Uh, am I necessarily under arrest when a police officer stops me for any reason? Not necessarily. You know, arrest just means technically the word stop. So if you're arrested uh, legally, you're usually thought of as being in handcuffs, headed down to the police station or sheriff's department or wherever. Uh, but under the law, it has a little bit different meaning. It's a little more intrusive to be arrested than to be what's known as detained. And an officer can detain anyone based on reasonable suspicion, which is lower than probable cause. It's uh, just the, the belief that a crime is being committed and the person being talked to is involved in that crime to some degree. So what exactly does it mean then to be under arrest? And are there greater rights that are available to you once you're under arrest? I wouldn't say there are greater rights available to you, but you don't lose all of your rights. Uh, you do when you're under arrest, you lose your, your right to move about freely. Uh, you are taken into custody, and sometimes that can be forcefully, sometimes it can just be escorted. Uh, but you don't lose your rights, uh, your Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent and not ask, answer any questions. Uh, now, those are incriminating questions, you know, basic questions as far as who you are, you know, things like that. Those are, are fine to answer, and they're going to have to be answered eventually if the officer doesn't know who you are before you can be released. But uh, you also have your right to an attorney. And even if you can't afford an attorney, an attorney will be appointed for you. Now, that may be not that day, most likely not to be that exact time, but it will be eventually. But again, you don't have to talk to law enforcement at all without your attorney if that's what you so choose. Well, you know, when, um, so when you were a law enforcement officer, would you have to say the words, you're under arrest for a person to actually be under arrest, or would it be the circumstances that would determine whether they were under arrest or just simply being uh, uh, detained temporarily? It's always best to convey what you're doing. Uh, so just about any officer, and I would most of the time, say you're under arrest. So the person understands they're not free to leave, that they are uh, coming into the custody of the state. There are times when that may not happen. You may have an elevated incident where someone starts uh, fighting the officer or fleeing from the officer, and, and they're caught handcuffed. They pretty much know they're under arrest at that point. But even then, you know, you're probably going to hear you're under arrest. But uh, it has to be conveyed, and, and most officers in most situations will say specifically you're under arrest. We do have a call. Let's go to Corinth and speak with Robert. Robert, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question for our show? Yeah, I wanted to ask you. I got pulled over, and the officer said that he smelled marijuana and asked me if I would be willing to sign a consent form allowing him to search my vehicle, which I denied. So he got the dog, and the dog hit on the car, which allowed him to search the car, but they didn't find anything because I didn't have anything. And I'm wondering, how can I follow up there on that dog hitting, and there really wasn't anything there for him to be hitting on? That's an interesting question. It's an interesting predicament to be in. Um, in a traffic stop, if a police officer develops probable cause that there is a crime or there is contraband in the vehicle, 
they can essentially search it from bumper to bumper. Uh, now, the officer could have probably had probable cause based on him saying he smelled marijuana, and that's something that's based later on the officer's training. You know, did the officer really have that knowledge would be the question, and most officers do. But when they bring the canine and the canine indicates, again, that's still subjective. That's to, subjective to the handler, to the officers, to the, to the dog. But when they do say that and they indicate something, they can go through and follow up with the search of the vehicle. As far as what to do to address that, uh, you could probably get the most in filing a complaint with the department and seeing if they would do it. And if that doesn't work, you, you possibly would have a civil rights claim against the officers and department, uh, particularly if you had any damage from that search. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. That is so interesting. I guess it hadn't occurred to me that officers would need to be trained in what the smell of marijuana is. Oh, yes, definitely. And uh, and it can go further, uh, even to a, a what's called a Terry stop. If an officer stops someone on the street or whatever, they think they're involved in some type of criminal activity. The officer has a right to pat that person down, specifically feeling for weapons. But an officer with, with experience and knowledge, if they find some contraband or something, uh, that could justify a search further than that. So really, a lot of the officer's training and experience comes into play more so than people realize. And now I'm just trying to imagine all of the different uh, vices, illegal substances. This is what crushed up cocaine looks like. This is what LSD—I I don't know. I just— I, my little my, my mind is just kind of going through this as an interesting classroom experience. That's a good point. And to that question, a lot of officers have uh, roadside test kits that they can test a substance to see if it's more than likely uh, illegal or not, what they're looking for, cocaine, marijuana, whatever. Uh, I, I, I'm reminded of so many things about my mom now, and she tells the joke about the the mom finding a baggie in the washing machine that had gone through the wash and didn't know what LSD was and asking her child if it's LSD and the kid says no mom it's a pickle <laughs> anyway let's <laughs> let's go to the phones and go to Brandon and talk with Al Al thanks for calling into in legal terms today what's your comment or question well, I've got a question. If, if I'm pulled over and I don't want to speak with the officer until I have a lawyer, um, and I say that I don't, uh, I can't afford a lawyer, uh, who, who confirms that? How, 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 do I, how do they know that I can or I cannot afford a lawyer? And if I get a court-appointed lawyer, how long does that take? That's a very interesting question because in the Miranda rights that, that most people are read before a police officer will speak with them, it does say you have the right to an attorney and to have one appointed if you can't afford it. Unfortunately, nobody has attorneys on standby to, to assist you. So that would come pretty much later once the arrest is made, you're processed in. You would go before a judge, and the judge would make that determination. He would ask you certain questions under oath to have you answer, and if the judge determined that you or whoever was indigent, at that point they would assign an attorney. And that's not to every charge. That's only to charges that would generally result in jail time, either with this one or with a subsequent, like a DUI second offense would more than likely result in jail time. You'd have a right to an attorney at that DUI first offense. 
And I'm not saying you would have any of those charges, but that's just how it would work. Is, is there a means test as to uh, who uh, gets court appointed and who doesn't? Not necessarily a, a specific universal means test. The judges uh, pretty much have a, a guideline that they go by, and it's up to that individual judge to to guess and, and measure you know what is there. The judge could ask for some specifics, uh, but rarely they go that far. They realize a person's under oath. Uh, but now if the person's not truthful to the judge, uh, they're going to have some problems later on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Al. We appreciate you calling in. That's why our judges are important, and a lot of judges are going to have elections next week. We're one week from Election Day, and if you don't know who's running for judge in your area, you've got one week to figure it out. You can send us an email to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing your rights when you're detained, when you're arrested. Are you a reader? I know I am. If you would like to read about what you should do if you're arrested, I'll tell you where you can find that text next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is in legal terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. So if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. The American Civil Liberties Union has a printable list of what you should and should not do if you are stopped by the police. If the police come to you or if you are arrested, and you might want to read this because you probably cannot say, oh, wait a second, in legal terms mentioned this, hold on while I pull up the podcast information and let me read it <coughs> before you arrest me, Mr. Law Officer, sir. <coughs> this morning, oh, it's easy, easy to do. And, and one thing, Leah, that you're talking about there, uh, people do need to understand, you know, what an officer will and likely won't do. You know, if you feel like that your rights are being violated, uh, you can definitely object. You can object to any searches or any seizures, uh, but do that peacefully. 
Uh, you don't necessarily want to object forcefully to a police officer because they do have the right to use force in many instances, and, and obviously we don't want to go against that. But as far as wanting to stop, check the law, this, that, and the other, don't expect that to go through very well. All right. Yeah, and we, we want to live in a civil society on all on all parts. This morning we are talking about your rights when arrested with our guest, Attorney Francis Springer with the Springer Law Firm. Let's go to Oxford and talk with Sarah. Sarah, thanks for calling in today. What's your comment or question? Um, hello. Hi, Professor Gershon and, and Mr. Uh, Springer. Um, so I actually have two, uh, two questions. Um, one involves uh, Miranda, and um, let's say you're, being, you're pulled over for DUI, and the cop, um, uh, the police officer, reads your Miranda rights and asks if you want to waive those rights. Um, if you're intoxicated, would you be able to voluntarily waive your rights, and could what you say be used against you later on? That's a very good question, um, and I guess the simple answer to that would be to what point the person was intoxicated. That would always be an argument later in court, and for the officer to have to justify why the officer went further or failed to go further. But a person that's not uh, coherent may not understand their rights, and they may not understand when they're waiving their rights. So that could be an issue that would come up. Very good question. Okay, and then my my follow-up question, my other question is um, uh, something that hasn't been mentioned yet is this idea of qualified immunity um, and and the um, difficulty in, um, you know, bringing a, a, some kind of complaint against law enforcement. Can you Can you speak to that at all? Definitely, definitely. I do represent a number of police officers through the Police Benevolent Association, so I do come against that a good bit. Um, In my opinion, qualified immunity is a good thing. I wish it was codified by the Congress or the state legislatures, uh, but it's really a, a creation of the court. And the premise behind it is it's very easy to sue a police officer because when a police officer contacts somebody, they're just about committing, uh, if they were anybody else, they'd be committing a crime. But society has got to have law enforcement, so it gives that, uh, I guess, immunity, as you would say, so the officers don't have to individually fight lawsuits left and right. Can it be you know, abused or whatever. Now, that's a court question because that's a, a question that's decided by a judge, not by a jury. And I have uh, seen many instances, uh, even here in Jackson and, and in uh, Mississippi, as well as elsewhere, where qualified immunity is denied. The facts of the case leave enough of a question there that the judge feels like it should go to a jury. And uh, qualified immunity, while it is a, a deep concern and and again you know I'm not I'm not one that's in the the pocket of law enforcement or the state or anything I'm pretty critical of government however I don't know where we're going to get police officers from if they have to be scared of getting sued for every move they make so it's a very difficult right. balance and some states though have enacted their own laws of uh, qualified immunity and and done away with it because that's a federal question in most regards like Colorado I know did and several others have so we'll have to see how that turns out long term. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the program. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you.
Well, Sarah, you're the reason we do this show is to have folks call in and ask us great questions so we can have great guests like our attorney, Francis Springer, talking about your rights when you are detained or when you're arrested. We're going to talk in Hernando now with Mike. Mike, we appreciate you calling in today, too. What's your question or comment for the show? Uh, it's a comment. I'm a, a journalist, have been so for 50 years, even on national television uh, as a reporter. However, I now live in Mississippi and have been here for 20 years. I, to be honest with you, I've known police officers from California to New York. And it troubles me when people um, are quickly willing to want to get revenge against police. Uh, your previous caller, the man who was stopped, uh, thought the officer smelled marijuana and the dog found nothing. I work with canine dogs here in DeSoto County. Um, the funny thing is, a dog's nose is 44,000 times more accurate than a human. And if that dog smelled nothing, fine, then the man was free to go. But it troubles me when the public wants to turn around and then sue the officer or sue the police department. I mean, why wouldn't you be happy to realize, great, you found nothing, I'm free to go. There's a groundswell movement in this country to defund police departments and to get rid of police departments, and that's the criminal mind wants to be able to do whatever it wants to do without repercussion. That is a troubling thing to me as a journalist. And when I hear the responses of people and questions from people wanting to know how can I get back at the police, I don't understand that mindset. I really don't. They are humans. They're doing their job. They're trained to do it. They do it as best they can and often do it exceptionally well. And for people to immediately be offended by even being pulled over. I've been pulled over. I've been pulled over in almost every state in this union. And it never bothers me. I'm just like, I go along with them. But that's my comment, that it seems to be a a movement on the part of the public to want to get revenge or to get back at the police or something like that, and I've never understood why. I do understand your side of the the equation uh, as legalists. Of course, there are situations that warrant such a thing, where things were not done right and a person's rights were violated, but that's rarely the case, and I'll just leave it at that. That's a it's an excellent point, and uh, and I appreciate you as being a journalist. That's one of the things that keeps this this country you know, free is you know, exposing this and that and, and everything else. And it is a fine line between you know an overreaching, I guess you would say, long arm of the law, and freedoms. Uh, and and that's something that does have to be uh, checked regularly. But many people do, uh, I won't say many, but I say some do want to get revenge at officers. The state legislature several years ago created a law that made any misdemeanor charge against a police officer, against anything they do while performing their duties, they had to have a probable cause hearing before a circuit or county court judge before the charge could go through. Because there were several people that were going down right after they were arrested, released, and signing affidavits against officers. So the legislature and the governor several years ago stopped that, and that's a, a good, excuse me, a good deal. That's the case here. No, it, it is. All right, good. Yeah, because I, like I said, I work closely with the uh, police officers in DeSoto County, all five cities, and uh, I know what they go through. I know now they're getting apprehensive. I talk, they talk privately, and I talk privately with them, how now they're getting apprehensive about even stopping people because they know that something's going to happen. And if you get the police apprehensive about even doing their job, then we got a failure in our society. 
Exactly right. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you calling in today. And, you know, Mike raises some, some issues that are important, but it's a complex issue, right, Francis? Because part of what people are concerned about is that uh, people of color are pulled over and arrested uh, in greater numbers than uh, than people who are, uh, you know, are white. And so, uh, you know, it's, I think those are, you know, so it's, we have a complex society. And, and so um, I think he raises good points. I agree, police, for the most part, are good people who are just doing their jobs and, you know, and concerned about going home safely to their families. But we've got to look at, you know, all the issues and all the sides and, and be willing to talk about them in this country. And hopefully that's what journalists are all about. Um, Francis, um, you know, uh, let's talk about, you mentioned search before. Uh, 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 and I know we need to take a break, Liz, but quickly, you said someone could be patted down uh, with a Terry stop. What if the police officer is looking for a weapon, but they find illegal drugs? Is that going to be a legal search? That's a situation that would have to be balanced. Uh, if the officer has the experience and, and objectively has the experience and training to realize upon touching something that it's likely drugs, that's probably going to be allowed. And again, that's a question really for a judge later on. Now, what the officer can do to overcome that is just say, hey, can I reach in your pocket and pull this out? And at that point, the person can either say yes or no. And if the person says yes, the officer's on free ground. Uh, if the person says no, you know, the officer will have to um, think about it and, and try to do something else. But uh, if the officer is just going to reach and find it, it better be what they think it is. We're talking with attorney Francis Springer about your rights when arrested, sometimes called Miranda rights. Maybe you've heard them recited in a movie or a TV show. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to Illegal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I am Liz Gill. We hope that you subscribe to our podcast. Lots of different podcasting platforms out there. Man, I think Jay White and I looked, and there were 10, 12, 15, probably there's a lot more by now. You just type in in legal terms, and then you'll see our. we're the only thing called in legal terms, and you can subscribe. You're notified when any new episodes are loaded up. I, I just love legal TV shows, legal movie shows, and being read Miranda rights is very common in the movies. And we do have an episode, a podcast, where we talk about what those movies 
get wrong. I think, uh, Professor Gershon, I think we'll replay that around Christmas time. But uh, some instances are running scared, the other guys, and 21 Jump Street with Mick Offerman, Channing Tatum, and Jonah Hill. This morning, we're talking about your rights when you're, you are arrested with our guest, Attorney Francis Springer. Professor Gershon, we're not going to get to any of your questions because we've got four calls waiting. We're going to go to we got Cindy in Ridgeland is our first call. Cindy, thank you so much for calling in, too, in legal terms. What's your comment or question today? Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to call, and I don't know if this has been addressed or not. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, actually, I'm just calling about the differences uh, in terms of uh, African-American being pulled over versus a Caucasian person being pulled over. Um, there is a lot of misconception about why, um, you know, an African-American, um, you know, the, the, the feeling of being pulled over by a police officer because, you know, we have to, in a sense, when we're pulled over, we have to uh, get into a situation of trying to defend ourselves and less, and also trying to, the chance of making home, making it home that day um, because, because of what we have been inundated with um, uh, when a black person, I noticed that when a black male is pulled over um, or when there's a situation with a black male, there is a tendency for him to be shot, not in the leg, but he's shot and killed, um, versus when a Caucasian over another race is pulled over. Uh, rarely do you hear anything of uh, incidents of that person has, you know, a, a, a fatal shooting or something. So I just want to address issues like that because it's not so much that, um, that you know, there's, so much uh, that we're against the police officer. Yes, we need them. We, we know that. But it's just a simple uh, fact that nowadays it's, we fear for our lives as well now. And it's just not who do you trust? We can't trust a police officer. You you want to, but then it's, you know, there's a lot of underhandedness going on with that, with the department, uh, the police department as well. So I just want to address those issues. How do we uh, uh, defend our lives when, um, you know, we can't change our, uh, our color or who we are, but when we're stopped, we, 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 the chances of us making it home that day uh, to jail or, you know, the rest of our lives, I mean, the, you know, to live our life that, that day, to make it home, um, you know, I just want to kind of address that. Those are concerns, and I'm sure with my community, uh, why? Yes, we know we need uh, the law enforcement. We know we need that. But at the same time, the chances of my black son or my black father or my next door neighbor or whomever that's that's African American, the chances of his life is is less, much less, uh, him remaining. Yeah. Thank you for those comments. I mean, I think that uh, those are important comments, and I think that's why this is a more complex conversation um, than just the question of defunding the police. I mean, I think you know we can agree that we need some law enforcement, but it's really a matter of the appropriate training uh, and also knowing. I mean, what what you just talked about. Um, I, yeah, I think looking at the statistics proves that what you're saying is correct. 
and and I think we need to have a conversation, a national conversation about that. Um, and so awareness is important. Uh, we have some uh, our MacArthur Justice Clinic at the law school uh, works on those those issues, looking at, at the issues of uh, you know incarceration rates uh, for Black people versus and African Americans versus uh, the general uh, rest of the population, um, and that starts with arrests. So. Um, it's, a, it's an important conversation. We won't have the time to discuss completely today, but we appreciate your comments. And one thing, Professor, if I can, on, on that regard, uh, I'm definitely, you know, I'm not an African-American, so I can't really understand the situation as the caller does. Uh, but I think she has a very valid point. One thing that anybody can do, really, is they can record an interaction with law enforcement. Uh, we see it all the time. It gets brought into uh, the news when it's a bad situation, but but a lot of those never make it to the news, and it shows what's going on. And anything that's in public that can be viewed by anybody, you can pretty much record. So, you know, if somebody can do that without really interfering or causing a distraction to the officer to where it may put them in danger, uh, I would recommend recording it because that's going to show uh, pretty much exactly what happened. Cindy, we do appreciate you calling in, getting this uh, out there and discussed, even if an individual knows your rights, has read the ACLU packet, and knows what the appropriate steps are to take when you are questioned by the police, when you're detained by the police, when you are arrested by the police. If there's not civil discourse on both sides, calamity can ensue and we appreciate and i think bringing this up and you know raising the consciousness of everyone is is hopefully how we can move past this because this uh, i think there has been quite a lot of consciousness raising in the past year and a half two years and cindy we really do appreciate you calling in and bringing this up We're going to move on to Jackson and talk with Todd now. Todd, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What is your comment for our guest, Attorney Francis Springer, about being uh, arrested, stopped, or detained by the police? Uh, I'm talking on a hands-free. The previous caller segues right into what my comment was going to be, and and maybe they can make uh, 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 your guest can, can talk to what may be being done about it. I completely agree with the previous caller. I'm white and nearly 70, but I think there's real fear of being stopped by police for a couple of reasons. One is the perception that good police officers are afraid to turn in bad actors uh, on the force. And the other is, of course, that there's been a lot of reporting about police corruption uh, that occurs, I think, in part because they are so poorly paid. Um, And I'll take my answer off the air and um, uh, just would like some comments about that, because I think there is fear in the public when they're stopped uh, for those two reasons. Thanks, Todd. We appreciate you calling in. Drive safely. Glad you're hands free. That's again, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at the arm of the government that can virtually remove you from your freedom. So it's something that has got to be critically kept up with. It's got to be looked at critically. Uh, One thing personally that that concerns me a little bit in this day and time is, and I may make some uh, uh, police buddies upset when I say this, but it's really kind of the blind acceptance that law enforcement is right. 
And uh, in my experience, most of the times law enforcement is right, but that is a, a very scary position for this, this country to get in and still remain a democracy and free. Uh, because everybody makes mistakes, and, and and that officer, that prosecutor, that judge, they're acting on our behalf as well, because they're acting on behalf of the people of the state or of the United States, and that's part of all of us. So I think more training, better training, better statistics, keeping up with what's going on, because things get in the news, the media, they get a lot of attention. They, they, they focus a lot of our thoughts and all of what goes on. But a lot of times, in my experience, What's in the news is not really what's in most of this country. But I think there needs to be objective looking, and if there's problems there, they've got to be addressed because nobody should fear the government uh, simply for who or what they are. Let's go to Tupelo now and talk with Terry. Terry, thanks for calling into In Legal Terms today, where we're talking about your rights when you're arrested with our guest, Attorney Francis Springer. What's your comment or question? Boy, this is a really tough intricate subject and as my English friends would say it's a real sticky wicker um, you know the thing that, that I don't quite understand is police should not fear making a traffic stop and as the saying goes a picture is worth a thousand words why do police not wear body cameras is it a money issue is it a taxing issue what percentage of police in Mississippi have body cameras and use them? And uh, I think if, if you have a body camera, not only does it protect the individual, it protects the policeman from false claims. So there should be no fear in, in making a stop if you have a body camera. And I think that, uh, as Chris Rock said, this has been going on for years, but now it's being recorded. Uh, so. What what percentage, if you guys know this, do police in Mississippi wear body cameras? That's one thing I don't know. Uh, I know a lot and, and many more are getting body cameras. Of course, it is an expense. Uh, there, there are a couple of issues, though, that people don't think about when it comes to the body cameras. Uh, one is that is a tremendous amount of computer information and storage. And that's one of the things that departments are having to really work with is what videos do we keep, how long do we keep them, uh, those kind of things, because it, it just gets tremendous. There's another avenue that I know some departments have been concerned with, and I've had some departments that refuse to allow officers to wear body cameras, uh, but their concerns are privacy. You know, if an officer wears a camera and they come into your house for some type of, of incident, uh, they're going to capture just about everything that's there. And sometimes those videos become public. They're in the public domain through a public records request, something like that. So that's another issue that the, the agency has to deal with. But now as far as it telling the story, back in 1998, uh, my sheriff, uh, Billy Siley in Meridian, he got us dash cams. Basically, they were black and white VHS. But we got so used to having those and them telling the story, I was really reluctant to do anything if mine was, was not working. So I think the overall premise of the cameras is, is excellent because it does get back there. But then we have to realize we're not there. We're not that officer. We don't know what that's actually feeling doing that. Uh, so it's a lot, of, a lot of things still to be worked out, but I think it's going in the right direction. We are loaded up with calls. Thank you very much, uh, Terry from Tupelo, for calling in. 
but we need to take our next, our last break. <clears throat> we can take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We love the special knowledge that our guest Francis Springer brings to the show. He has been on a few times. We're so grateful, and we'll give you those podcast dates next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, and Ben, this has been a good one today, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of all of our shows, which isn't to say most of our other In Legal Terms shows aren't good. But this has been interesting, and I've loved the different points that our callers have brought out, because we've mostly just been talking to callers today. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, at 11 Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. We are talking with attorney Francis Springer. This time, it's about your Miranda rights. But if you'd like to listen to past episodes... On May 4th, we talked about easements and roads. And on December 8th, 2020, we talked about administrative law. We are going to now go to Daniel in Pascagoula. Daniel, thanks so much for hanging on. What's your comment or question for our show today? Hey, how you doing, Mom? Uh, I'm glad you're doing the show to uh, educate people on their Miranda rights and stuff like that. How much old you And uh, I wanted to say, to make it simple, it's not hard because we keep going back into we need to have some conversation about this. We need to have that conversation about it. We've been doing this for, since the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's time to make it simple. We know, as I talked to a couple of my uh, friends that are on the force in Pascagoula, I love the way they handle the situation. A, a police officer is not just a police officer. But as I knew when I grew up in New York, a police officer is also a counselor. A police officer is also a person. A police officer is part of the family of the community. And this is what people have to remember. So they go through the same things we do. But as an African-American, the, the situation is 
is that we must, as a, as a people, educate our children to keep the respect, but also to keep notes on what the situation. What the situation may be is uh, we need to take our time, have our law enforcement to clean house. That's all it is. It, we don't need to reduce. We need to clean house. You know, because if you're a person that used to watch Andy Griffith and you watch Gunsmoke and them shows like that, and I know it was mostly our Caucasian brothers, but there were cops in my area that were Irish, African-American, and they came from different parts of the community. And, yes, you had some cops that they, they were about stealing. They were about having that attitude of what you, what you saw but out there in the world. But there's a lot of good cops. It's that 10% in the world, that 10% in the law enforcement that make it hard for the community as well as the as well as as well as the for the people. And I, I and I want to let you know because I got 10 years on the force. I, I used to serve in Washington Heights in New York City. Um, I have some friends here that I've talked to. Uh, we talked because we were busy talking about that situation where that baby got killed on the highway, where we felt they should have had a, a sniper in place. They should have had it to where the car was bumped off to the right instead of to the left into traffic on the west west side. Uh, it was about the communication within the force. We are here for the people. We are not here for us and our brothers. We are here for the people. But at the same time, we need to teach the people to be here for us, that we can solve the problems in the community with their help. And we get rid of that fairness in the African community. Because I know, I, I, I ride through the African community, my own community, and I talk to them. And they said what it is, you have, there's a lot of good cops out here that treat you as a person, but then you got one or two bad apples that want to go back to Jim Crow days. So that's what it is. We need to not just sit down and compensate. We need to make action because we're losing our children on both sides. And, and, and they're tired of seeing adults fight with each other and bicker with each other on crazy situations. Daniel, you said it just perfectly. In fact, we might use that clip for something sometime because you just uh, made some great points. We have run out of time. Homer and Mike, I'm, uh, if you want to send us an email, we can forward any uh, additional questions to our guest, Francis Springer. Our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, Francis, you've got a minute and a half. What, what, <laughs> what can you leave us with on advice on being arrested, detained uh, by police officers? What are our rights? The, the best thing I think I can say is, is people need to, to research and, and know what their rights are and realize where, where their rights uh, begin and end. But also, you know, look into law enforcement, kind of feel, you know, talk to an officer, kind of feel like or get to know what it's like to walk up on a car and not know what's going to happen. And the officer's got to not only realize something's happening, he's got to or she's got to decide what they're going to do to react. And, and there's a lot more to it than just using force. But uh, just I guess at the end of the day, everybody become as knowledgeable as you can. And I think things will be better. Professor Gershon, any last thoughts? 
I love what uh, I loved what Daniel said. I think we have to think of ourselves as a community, uh, and we're all in the same boat together. And learning how to work together to make things better is is how we're all going to thrive, uh, as opposed to always being in conflict. All right, uh, Hines County, we've got uh, sheriffs and some judges uh, up for election. What's going on in Lafayette County next week, Professor Gershon? Well, I'm not aware of anything that uh, is happening here, but uh, I know there are elections elsewhere. I could be wrong, so, uh, which, just because right. I'm so not aware of it, that means it ain't happening. L- listeners, <laughs> that is your homework. In the next seven days, when you're at the traffic light, look to see what signs are stuck in the ground. Find out who is elected, because is, is running for election, because these are the people who control your rights. And you need to do a little bit of homework as a responsible citizen. Isn't that right? Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you, Francis Springer, for being our guest today. Man, you're just the best. We appreciate you uh, coming over and helping us out. It's a great program. We appreciate Jay White and Java Chapman for uh, helping us put our show on and for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Next next Tuesday's Election Day, we hope after you vote or before you vote, you join us at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.